0: Welcome to the Convergence VC podcast with Jamie Burke and Lawrence Lundy of OutlierVentures.io, a fund and venture builder dedicated to the next web paradigm. We're here to explore the intersection of blockchain with AI, mixed reality, autonomous robotics, IoT, and 3D printing. We believe blockchain-like solutions are foundational to these other technologies scaling securely and most interestingly, converging. It's this topic we explore every week with some brilliant guests from around the world, You can follow us and our community at Convergence.vc, as well as stay up to date on our latest research and global events calendar. So today I want to welcome Mark Wilcox uh, of NIRIAD, um, based out of New Zealand. They're doing some really fascinating work on looking at GPUs in the context of a new infrastructure to power things like augmented virtual reality and supercomputing. Amongst all the hype that's happening in the blockchain community with lots of zeros flying around in ICOs, what's really interesting is the sheer scale of the projects that this company and Mark are working on almost makes that look like small change, uh, which is a a real rarity. And then you hold some contrarian views on what's actually possible with things like Ethereum and stuff. So real pleasure to welcome to the show today. Can you explain what convergence means to you in the context of your day-to-day life?
1: So I guess my day-to-day life isn't that
0: normal since I'm
1: living in the middle of nowhere in New Zealand, spending on my day working with a whole bunch of GPU engineers. We're kind of unique in the tech world, let alone in, in this kind of space. Convergence is an interesting concept, and you hear it a lot around a lot of different industries where people are starting to get confused between what a lot of different things mean, because... The transition that we kind of see is everything turning into information. And as everything just becomes information, then you don't differentiate between things that used to be well-defined because the opportunities that a lot of people are identifying are really in the breaking the rules or in the blurring of things together. And that tends to create things that didn't fit into whatever mold people used used to have before, because, the fact that they had a mould that they tended to put stuff into meant that the opportunity shifted elsewhere. That doesn't mean that that, that wasn't a good place for it to be. You tend to see the, the real breakthroughs coming from taking a little bit of this and taking a little bit of that and putting it together. And people are doing these combinatorical problem-finding, problem-solving, a little bit of a searching for a problem and searching for a solution at the same time. But startups today generally... I have all these different technologies that have come about, and the world is in this state now, and can I put things together to do something new that's valuable? And you see, you guys talk about convergence, but you see all these different trends in technology, like whether that be Internet of Things or blockchain or AR or machine learning, and what we see is that those are just a bigger trend of computing from a traditional serial kind of intel or ibm uh, cpu world to a, a massively parallel huge amount of computation world that is really being driven by gpus so we're a gpu technology company so we don't tend to see all those different applications as converging of different things we just see gpus are getting better and better and
0: able to be applied to a lot more problems Mark, can you summarize the big idea that you want to talk about today?
1: So the big idea is there's a kind of dormant beast that's underlying these cryptocurrencies or blockchains, which is enormous amounts of computing power that is available very cheaply. And what we're seeing now is that's being augmented by an enormous amount of data storage that's available very cheaply and it's massively distributed and that it's available all over the world and not in a traditional kind of data center environment. And this is going to drive a whole bunch of things that you usually define as Internet of Things or augmented reality, these type of things, and as one big kind of exascale computing infrastructure. So Nariat is the, uh, we like to think, the world's first exascale computing company built with these kind of very, very recent technology improvements and influencing how we're building systems.
0: So can you explain what brought you to NERIAD? And Mm -hmm. I know that that project was born out of the Square Kilometre Array project. Could you tell us about the founders uh, and how you came about working there and and, and what that company's up to?
1: Sure. So around the same time, the university that I I went to had a whole bunch of people working on this project called the Square Kilometre Array. And the Square Kilometer Array is the world's largest um, computing project. It's a massive um, radio telescope that's being built across South Africa and Australia. And the amount of data that that has to process is just enormous. Uh, It's 160 terabytes a second of radio data that effectively they they have these uh, antennas uh, across Australia and South Africa in very remote areas that create an entire map or model of the universe, they t- turn the southern hemisphere into a giant scanner. Because of the sheer amount of data that that's, that, that has to process, it can't be done in any physical um, computing system that has really been designed today. So from being in that kind of vicinity, I ended up meeting a couple of guys who themselves cross paths. They're the, the two founders in the red. But one of them was just, was uh, one of the world's experts on um, GPU computing. And the other, he was running all of New Zealand's clean energy infrastructure. And they realized that the power problems of this kind of massive, massive scale computing was just, it needed a huge breakthrough in the way that that you actually approach the problem. And the SKA is what all these next generation, massive scale Internet of Things systems are kind of will be model off because it requires a massive amount of streaming data that has to be processed as it comes through the network and combined in in almost a massive supercomputer. There are two supercomputers in in the SKA case, but it's noise at the edge of the network and you have to have an enormous
0: amount of computing power. So Mm -hmm. if you could tell us a little bit about your role there and, and kind of what you're working on at the moment.
1: Yep. so my role is that basically I run our product strategy. Um, So I look at all the different technologies and and kind of trends in the market and map our uh, development roadmap to that. So we can kind of go, hey, if we're solving these big problems, what do we need to get into the market to actually um, enable some of these trends that we see evolving come together? And the core to that is the GPU. So that tends to be where the main mapping into blockchains kind of came out of. Uh, I had a lot of prior knowledge, but once I got my head around a lot of the actual kind of supercomputing concepts and and parallel computing, there are things that these chips can do that people haven't realized. When you put them together, they they create things that... um, Uh, Yeah, I I think I described them earlier as a beast, right? So you have an enormous amount of GPU computing power sitting there under these things like Ethereum or, or hashing powers for Bitcoin that really isn't being put towards anything. One of the things that I had to do was really reduce or simplify down the concept of a blockchain away from all of the really really complicated things that people tend to talk about. So most people at the moment they're thinking that Bitcoin is simple and then adding lots and lots and lots of complexity to it. and we actually have gone the other direction where we've got, hey, what is, what is a blockchain or, or how can you simplify it down to what's the actual thing that's of value there? And the thing that's of value is the ability to hash in data, to prove it existed at a different point of time, and then loop that back around into the next iteration. So I, we came to this in a kind of roundabout way because we're not a blockchain company. We're a massive-scale computing company, and we only realized that once we kind of, once at least I had enough of a, an idea of the two concepts, that some of these problems that the massive-scale computing guys were grappling with match really nicely to some of the blockchain kind of concepts, which is extreme fault tolerance it's evolving systems or autonomous systems and it's actually self-optimizing systems so in bitcoin you can look at it being a market that formed to optimize the particular algorithm that was used to reward reward people with with the state that we're at in computing in order to achieve the actual scale or efficiency you know like usefulness problems that are out there, you have to be able to organize people and build systems in a way that they can self-optimize. The SKA is so complicated. There's hundreds and hundreds of researchers around the world working on it. The code that people write today as prototype to figure out which questions to ask is completely different to the code or the hardware that'll end up actually answering that question for them. So you can look at blockchains as as a way of taking organizing a lot of people and, and defining a problem in such a way that millions of people can compete over it. We actually removed a whole bunch of unnecessary things that are in Bitcoin in order to take advantage of it. One of the things that I uh, keep running into a, a, over and over and over is that people couple together too many I- the ideas that are in Bitcoin and assume that because Bitcoin does them, that anything else that has the word blockchain should at least do that. But you can actually go, once Bitcoin exists, you can use that as a component in your design or the way that you solve a problem. So Bitcoin has a very unique design in that it didn't exist before itself, but it, it relies on itself to continue to build build up uh, and, and be more reliable over time. And we actually use that same concept in a lot of the problem solving that we do.
0: Great. Lawrence is now going to ask some deep dive. We've already kind of gone into a little bit about the idea broken down, but I don't know, Lawrence, uh, I'll let you work it through. Thanks. That was excellent. Could you take a few moments now to walk us through some of the use cases that make most sense for the solutions that you're building and maybe something around virtual worlds, which, which we've spoken about in the past?
1: Sure. So I actually tend to see all of these different types of systems that you talk about in the convergence world as the same problem. So what you tend to see is um, distributed data and the need to combine that data in order to produce something useful and then need to collaborate with other people, other um, organizations or, or systems in order to produce that. So if I go back to SKA, they're building two massive supercomputers for running the core system, but it's a ten, a twelve-nation consortium who are all building their own supercomputers in, in the same kind of physical environment, and they're all kind of together, relying on the shared infrastructure. But they have their own goals in the mind. In mind, they want to be able to get access to the data that this is, this system is going to unlock for them, and they want to be able to combine it with different sources, and they want to be able to turn those various different data streams into value for themselves. Now, that might be new process data streams, or it might just be answers to questions that they're looking for. When you get to the sheer scale of these kind of problems, you literally can't move the data away from somewhere else. So if you actually want to get it into a form where you can access it and you can process it and you can answer whatever question you want to answer, you have to be able to share that infrastructure and the data with everyone else while simultaneously being able to kind of prove that on the provider's side that you provided the service that you said you were going to and on the requested side that you got it. So in AR, in Internet of Things, in machine learning, all of these different types of things, they rely on massive amounts of data that's either stored or it's coming into a live system. and actually being able to process that and deliver it as a as a result in real time is not something that, it's not a problem that's actually solved yet. All of these things are being done independently. So that, I, I always tend to come back to SKA when I think about this because it is a 10-nation consortium that's built around supercomputing and analyzing the universe. So if you can solve that type of problem on that kind of scale, for radio astronomy data you can do it for a lot of other things as well so we're also working we're also applying the same kind of thing for lidar data or for video data but you could come up with any kind of data i mean you you guys are pretty well versed in in the big chain db guys and they talked a lot about data marketplaces and how you know if you can put data into a into a shared infrastructure, then you can extract a lot more value by having it be combined or interoperate. And doing that at a massive scale is kind of the the big thing that we're trying to unlock.
0: What is your thinking around more application specific integrated circuits or using other designs, quantum as a potential use in the future, or biological computers for energy efficiency. What are you thinking around new types of technologies?
1: There are a range of different types of chips that are useful for different types of processing. ASICs, obviously, in the world of Bitcoin, are super useful. And it's because Bitcoin is purely computation. What you see now is things like Filecoin, where the thing that they're doing is purely storage, right? But if you look at any computing problem, it's some mix of data that you have to process and some that's of computing power that you have available, GPUs tend to sit in the middle. They're the best at doing things fast but being general purpose so that wherever you have one that's close to, to the data is most likely to be the thing that's going to be the fastest at processing or solving that, that particular problem. So we basically replaced all the typical um, Linux storage stack that people will run on CPUs or they will run on a RAID ASIC and we portal it to a GPU because GPUs are so enormously powerful now that if you have a GPU in your storage system, it's so close to the data, but it has an enormous amount of computing power, so why would you move the data anywhere else? It would take you longer to move the data over a network to an ASIC than it would to just solve the problem. And most valuable problems are general purpose. They come from combining different types of data together to extract the, the information that wasn't there. So. If someone has gone to the effort of investing in an ASIC processor, it's because that particular problem was worth a lot of money to optimize. But if you just have a RAID controller, it's only useful for doing that one function. I can't ask it a question. So it's interesting when you look at um, blockchains because ASICs are a big thing only because of Bitcoin. But the more that you want to combine different types of things and create more um, complex systems, the more and more GPU becomes the right answer.
0: So given your proximity to you know, the Ethereum community and obviously this original idea you stated earlier around the ability for a new governance layer for how you can kind of have these distributed systems... Is there any reason why you guys haven't looked at the ICO model or, uh, you know, a token offering?
1: What we're trying to do is solve technology problems for the world's biggest computing projects like Square Kilometer Array. You know, there's a lot lot of hype in this space at the moment and people are getting excited about things. But I think that no one's really (laughs) kind of understood what they're dealing with and no one's really solving any useful problems as far as I can see yet. SKA-1, which is in the in the early 2020s, they're building SKA-2 in the late 2020s. And the budget for SKA-1 alone is about 750 million euros. And for SKA-2, it's about one and a half billion. So the value of these systems is far beyond anything that anyone is playing with at the moment. And everything that's out there today, except for Bitcoin, is basically play money. I, I wouldn't want to have any of my time sucked up in it. And that was why, as I tried to use Ethereum, I realized that, you know, the ideas are there for the potential, but what currently is there today is not, is not something that I can really solve problems with. And more and more people are finding this out. You know, the biggest thing is, like, if I run something on Ethereum today and the price goes up 10 times, I can't afford to run my program anymore. <laughs>
0: really interesting problem. And, and really interesting perspective because uh, you know a lot of the community obviously seeing lots of zeros but in the context of the projects that you're working on as you say it, it's kind of small change so uh, look Mark really want to thank you for your time it's been fascinating speaking to you do you want to just give everyone your Twitter handle and, and everything else so they can know how to follow you sure it's
1: just M Wilcox that's m w i l c o x.
0: Thanks from myself and Lawrence, and we look forward to speaking to you online. Cheers, Mark. Cool. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to head over to convergence.vc to subscribe to our weekly newsletter and find out when we're holding events in a city near you. You can also follow us on Twitter at VC Convergence.